This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Old Man Said Christmas Special. Sponsored by Kazoo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Since last Christmas's My Old Man Said Christmas special was such a blockbuster hit. I can't remember. What number was it in the uh, the Spotify trending charts for every podcast in the UK? Number one? <laughs> I think it was something 20, it was 24 or something like that. But in the whole UK, that's pretty good. It was that's at the every podcast. End. It's not even, that's not just sports podcasts, football podcasts. That's every podcast. Right. Let me introduce the crew back again a year later. Same crew, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Bird, and Mr. Dan Rogers. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Have you been naughty or nice? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Dan Rogers, he, he lives for the Christmas special. This is, Well, we, we're almost dying for the Christmas special, the amount of planning that goes into it. What, Taking we, us into the early <laughs> hours. It's not midnight yet, though. Multiple lockdowns have come and, come and gone in the planning of this. <laughs> At what variant are we on now? I don't even know. We lost count. Villacron. <laughs> Megatron. So the Christmas special, what goodies have we got for you? We will go through a few old My Old Man Said favourites from the Five Reasons to be Cheerful, a year, a villa year in a villa minute, the good, bad and ugly for 2021 media muppet of the year as well as uh, various player categories like most improved player phoenix from the flames type player as well as going through as voted for by uh, the match clubbers the mile master patrons the uh, top five players of the year which will be uh, dotted throughout the show are you uh, feeling festive already or uh Get that festive grandfather clock out. What? Let's get on with the villa. Let's get the villa minute started. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to read. What's this festive grandfather clock? Is this some sort of family family thing? Run the bell. Strike twelve. Euthanism. God. Hmm. Christmas is wasted on you lot. Well, hang on a minute. I don't think I feel like I'm missing out on the Christmas grandfather clock. Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens, uh, Dan, when you're not drinking at eight in the morning. I don't know, he hasn't, clearly uh. hasn't been out litter picking today. 
All around something park. <laughs> Me and the Ramblers. Right, this is uh, taken from something for the weekend. We like to start off with a villa minute in that show, so we will begin uh, the Christmas special with a villa year in a villa minute. Because it's Christmas, I thought we would try to get something uh, a little bit upmarket. So uh, Gucci have sent us four watches. I don't know what Gucci's credentials are in the timepiece making department. So we should have gone Swiss, really, to uh, ensure we get this minute down. Like Douglas now. Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Yes. If Villa players are giving you good advice, you should uh, normally follow it. He loves a own. <laughs> Let's see what this Gucci timepiece can do. Are you ready, Mr. Bud? I am. Can you do a year in a minute? I'll give it a damn good go. It'd be a Christmas miracle, though. Right, let's uh, get this Gucci uh, watch ready. Right, three, two, one, go. After a decent end to 2020, which had Villa thinking about Europe, 2021 had other ideas. With Barclay already out, a COVID outbreak forced Villa to play their infants in the FA Cup v Liverpool. The last thing they needed was Grealish to suffer a long-term injury, despite Dean Smith initially saying the Villa captain was only out for a few weeks. Apart from using Villa's final two league games as warm-up matches for England, Villa fans will never see him in a Villa shirt again. Like Grealish's shins, Villa's form disintegrates. Top six ambition reverts to mid-table obscurity. Luckily, there's a new hope as Villa's youngsters lift the FA Youth Cup, although that's already been extinguished for this season. Means is England roar to the final of Euros, only to predictably lose on pens to Italy. Manchester City come calling for Grealish with a briefcase of 100 million. Villa say... Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> then Villa roll the moneyball dice and replace him in the aggregate with Ings, Buendia and Bailey. Lunging 100 million in talent... Although, could a free transfer of an old-timer be a better deal? Ashley Young returns. Covid still haunts Bodymore Heath and pre-season is disrupted. Smith quarantines. Friendly opposition fall through and the players disappear on long-haul flights. Smith's new 3-5-2 system claims the scab for Manchester United at Old Trafford, but six weeks later he's thr- shown the door by Christian Perslow. Surreally, Stephen Gerrard is now Villa's top boss man. Hopefully he'll have the same success as previous scousers at the club. Life is suddenly good again. With a brace of winds easing him in swiftly, the side looks more focused and steely in nature. Even marvellous Nakamba resembles a footballer. Now Villa go into 2022 virtually guaranteed of European football. Merry Christmas <laughs> and a happy new year. Up the Villa. Up the Villa. Ooh. Oh, what a year it's been. Actually, it's been a weird year because, I mean, we won't waffle on about it now, but uh, the best bit of the 2021 season was in 2020. And uh, the start of this 21-22 season has seen a five-game losing streak and a sacking of a manager. So it hasn't exactly been a vintage year on the pitch, although it's always entertaining at Villa, is it not? The ongoing soap opera. There's always one crisis around the corner. That was probably one of the few things that Steve Bruce said that were true. Is that, is that what he said? He did say that, Villa. Yeah. Is that after the daffodils or before the daffodils? I, th- I, there's think, always a probably after, I think the daffodils came, <laughs> died, and then, and then there's a crisis. Pre-cabbage or post-cabbage? Oh, this was yeah. just before the cabbage. This was post-Rotherham, wasn't it? This was when the Mad Few was born. Yeah. Right, uh, well, we'll talk about the season through the various spectrums of sections we have coming up. Uh, let's start off, let's get the ball rolling on the top five players of 2021 that aren't Jack Grealish, as voted by the uh, match clubbers and ourselves as well. Thanks for calculating those, Phil. No problem. Team Team effort. Yeah, I cleared them. We haven't checked his working out, so this could be any order, to be honest. <laughs> well, well, we'll find out. I can't remember who finished fifth last year. I did have it down, but I just deleted it. But anyway, this was a close call. They were level on points. Uh, two players were level on points until it came down to my... Uh, I, I re- just remembered that I had to cast my vote. So I swung it for this chap. So blame me. It was either Target or Mings. And uh, Mr. Mings has come out uh, in fifth place. I mean, personally, I swung it uh, mainly because he was made an honorary doctorate. <laughs> He's also played for England uh, in, a, in a Euros as well. And, uh, well, he had a few misplaced passes here and there. I think uh, Mings playing well means that Villa plays well. And I think he's essential... Uh, for that and also target didn't have the greatest starts this season and uh two uh, he had two own goals that weren't classed as own goals but you know pretty much uh responsible for them and the arsenal penalty uh which really uh swung that game by half time it was all over so what you're saying is he was basically single-handedly responsible for smith sacking 
So that, that probably that's edged what, it. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah, heard yeah, from yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he was crying in that interview we did after Southampton. He knew he was like, he oh. knew what was coming. Smith said to him, Oh, thanks, Matty. Thanks for that. Just thanks a lot. Sound. Anyway, Mings, number five. What? Give me some good, it's good vibrations. If you made the top five, you can't slag him off. No, he's been very, he's been less stampy. <laughs> <laughs> Stamped it out of his game. Oh, dear. <laughs> I think the most controversial uh, thing about Mings this season or involving Mings was that decision that after dallying with that back five, well, back three centre-backs, the solution, and the solution was pretty obvious, why don't you go back to the back four that served you so well last season? And so on the first game that he decided to do that, he decided to drop Mings uh, against West Ham. Uh, A huge physical error. Didn't exactly turn out right. And that's the kind of, you know, you looked at that team and you just thought, that just looks weak. There's nobody with any authority in that team. And uh, the result uh, wasn't really in doubt with West Ham in uh, good form. Then he had the come on, you know, in the second half anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll, t- I'll teach you a lesson, Mings. Oh, a 45-minute 40, lesson. Okay. <laughs> All's forgiven. On you come. Could you help me out, please? <laughs> please, Dr. Mings. <laughs> Only if I can wear the hat. <laughs> So I think that, I mean, it almost played into Gerard's uh, hands quite nicely in terms of the old reset. Uh, you can just go up to Mings and go, I don't care what happened uh, there. We start again and uh, you're the captain, you're still the captain. And I think the good thing about Gerard was he, he kept them on their toes by saying, you know, for the next few weeks, you're the captain and, and uh, begins the vice captain. It wasn't like, well, you know, nothing's changing to the end of the season. He suggested that, you know, he was giving them rope to hang themselves, really. If, you know, if they weren't going to take the challenge, then they would be replaced. But I can't see Mings being dislodged. Uh, no, I think he's a good he's a good vocal leader. We, we saw we heard we certainly saw it, but you heard it during the lockdown in the, with the empty stadiums. You could see him constantly chirping through the game, couldn't you? He's great. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, this is the thing uh, for a decent player, and uh, in terms of Villa centre backs historically, you know, he, he's up there, but it gets a lot of shit. It's like uh, just you know, let him be, let him get on with it. Well, especially at a club where we have not defended well for ten years, <laughs> and no. at times we didn't even have centre halves. <laughs> We've got short memories, haven't we? Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't remember Ron Villar getting this shit. No, no, and he's better than Ron Villar. Ron Villar always went missing over Christmas because he had that second gig as a as a Santa in uh, <laughs> in Holland. So he always disappeared over Christmas. Yeah, polystyrene, Ron. Yeah, if you want to go back to Nathan Baker and Kieran Clark as your centre backs, then uh, or Joris so. Acore, the second coming of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, these are p- peak centre half players. Anyway, let's move on to the next section. Uh, so Ming's in at number five. I think he he was in the top five last year, if I if I remember correctly. Anyway, next section: best piece of business in and out two thousand twenty one. What are you thinking? It's been a bit. Uh, I mean, a big sun- summer in terms of marquee signings. Uh, the January window before it was just really uh, Sanson, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and more outs, wasn't it? Obviously, a lot of guys out on loan. and So anyway, let's go in. Who's the best piece of business in? For me, at the moment, without without the spending money, for bang for buck, you'd say Ashley Young. Yeah, have to agree. In terms, yeah. of, in terms of his overall, what he brings, you know, we've, we've seen fleeting moments of what he can still do going forward. And from what you gather from what Smith said and what Gerard has said, he's just so important to have that experienced head around the, the changing room. And you've seen when he's come on in games off the bench, he's the steady sort of experienced head that can get on the ball and play and just be composed. He's the shit house. The thing I like about it is now just having him on the bench and, you know, he's versatile. When we've lost players, like when Bailey came off, for example, and, and or Target goes off, Young comes on and you don't feel like we're weakened. It's not like, I mean, our bench has been weak over the last few years. Young comes on, it's like, you don't have to worry about it because he's he's actually going to add something. Maybe he hasn't got Bailey's pace, obviously, but he'll add uh, composure that Bailey doesn't have. Yeah, and you know, pace is only good, as we've seen with bloody Adama Triore. It's only good if you've got end product. And to be fair to Ashley Young, he usually has end product. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I like it. I, I, I'm happy to have him back. I'm also happy because he's an a- absolute nightmare for referees. He's constantly oh, fighting God, our yeah. corner. Uh, really good influence, I think, to have around the squad as well. I think that if you t- if you wanted good pro, you know, you want to see what a good pro looks like. Look at Ashley Young; he's come back younger than when he left. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just before we go on to the outs, the elephant in the room is Villa have spent, uh, I mean, let's just average out and say three thirty million pound players. And we're saying that free signings uh, at the moment better value so far, well, so far this uh, season in uh, 2021. Yep. Yep. I mean, Danny Ings. Danny Ings came off the off the bat really well, didn't you? Thought in the first sort of four or five games, you thought, "Wow, he's just like a duck to water at Villa Park." But then, of course, his seasonal injuries started kicking in. Yeah, Buendia, I think he's warming up nicely. Mm. Yeah, I think of all the three, I think he's gonna. If you're gonna be picking one of them, I think he'll be the main in terms of best value signing in the second half of the season. He'll be he'll be exciting. I think the second half. Yeah, I think Bailey is. He's given us moments, like great moments, moments that you pay, you know, top dollar to uh, watch games for. But it's just a concern. The way he wasn't passing, but then this injury situation, which is, seems to be reoccurring, it's like, well, didn't we just make a hundred million for somebody who was injured big chunks of the season uh, regularly? Why, why waste thirty million of that on another player that does the same thing? Signed in a shed. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we will see. But yeah, Buendia, I think, is... Uh, Buendia, as well as himself evolving, needs the team to evolve around him as well. And I think, as you say, the second half of the season, uh, he can only get better. Right, best player out? I mean, it's, it's the only, obvious one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's only one answer, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we didn't get £100 million for any other player. No, and also, I mean, we said at the time, we I think the club, for all the... You know, in, in the last decade of PR own goals... I think they actually played that one superbly around the Grealish transfer and the, the way they sort of appeased the fans with the Ings deal the morning of the announcement. They'd already done the deal with Bailey and Buendia. I think the fans, because of the business we'd brought in, it kind of softened the blow a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Grealish, the the footage of Grealish, I mean, you'll remember that fans were allowed into the training. Uh, it was at the hotel, wasn't it? Complex, which was, was it just north of London somewhere? Yeah, it was that by Twickenham, I think. And that, there was a reason for that. That was to be public. And, you know, Grealish was kind of playing along as well because Villa had to be seen that Grealish was still there to get that Ings deal over the line. It was all part of the uh, the business side of it. And uh, so they kind of worked that one out pretty well. And uh, I think in terms of, you know, we said the best in. I think if Ings didn't get injured, I think at the time, in terms of the impact of those players landed and being announced, Ings probably... Uh, yeah appeased the fan base and softened the Grealish shout news. Yeah, and I think Ings was probably the last... I can't remember a signing that we've had like him where it arrived totally out of the bloom. And me and you were at the, the cricket, weren't we? It just popped up on our phones. Yeah. We are like, wow. There's not very often you see Villa sign someone that kind of makes you go, fuck, where's that come from? A player of that sort of level. I mean, the last time, uh, you know, you, you, you're going back to the 90s, really. I mean, even like your John Carews, Ashley Young was a young guy. That was a, a kind of a gamble. Although they was weren't like to... really established players you thought we might not be able to get. Carew was kind of going out on a limb a little bit because he was inconsistent. But yeah, I mean, you have to go back to people like Stan Collymore and then Ron Atkinson when he was getting in, Ray Houghton, Steve, Steve yeah. Staunton, Dean Saunders, probably the biggest of the, all of those. Yeah. It was, a, it was a bit like Darren Bent, though, at the time as well. Because I mean, Darren Bent yeah, was a big yeah, player. Yeah. It was, um, it was the, it was, I mean, it was a panic buy, it was a desperation buy, but it, it was a bit of a shock as well. You thought, oh, he'll never leave Sunderland, and all of a sudden he, he did turn up. So it was, a, yeah. it was sort of the same level of shock for me. I think, yeah, I think both players are very similar in terms of it's a strong arming of uh, how much money do you want? And it's a simple question like that. And mm-hmm. we've thrown more money than perhaps we should have, but it was the bottom line was get that player. Right. Uh, who said one I didn't like? It yeah, was I didn't like the fact that we got rid of Heaton. I thought I didn't think I didn't think you know. I thought actually he was a, he was a good guy to keep around the club, maybe for another year, let his contract run out. I think um, that was more by the players' uh, mm. wishes because in the perfect world we were in a great position there, having Martinez and Heaton. Yeah, if you're going to be a big boy at the top of the you know top half of the league, trouble in the European spots, you need to have two good keepers. And yeah. uh, no disrespect to uh, when I say good people. Keepers, you kind of need two top quality, two number ones, really. Yeah, yeah. and no disrespect to Jed Steer, he's he's not an established Premier League number one. No, yeah. Whenever I saw Hayden wanting to leave and England to leave, I thought to myself, Martinez must be uh, as good as we say mm. he is. You know, I, I thought to myself, Hayden realizes he's not getting a look in at all here. Yeah, to be fair, he is. <laughs> Right, we we know, we mentioned at the top of the show, twenty twenty one's been a bit of an odd year in terms of uh, it's been the. Uh, 
the poor end of two seasons, which, uh, well, 2021 was better than how it ended. It started well. And hopefully this season will end better than it started. But what's your biggest uh, limbs single moment? Give me some contenders. The Hawes winner against United and the, the penalty miss from Fernandes. They can probably go together as one. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put that number one just because of the legacy of uh, torture from United over yeah. the decades. I thought, I thought the win against Chelsea, obviously the, the sort of the emotional thing of everyone being back in the ground for one. But I actually think while the Liverpool win was like a box office win, seven two Liverpool were crap on that day. I think Chelsea were the best team that we beat because Chelsea on that day were brilliant and we couldn't lay a glove on them for most of the game. Yet we won the game, so I think that was probably our best win. Over that season, the Chelsea win was like the best team we beat. And obviously in the calendar year, comfortably the best team we beat. They were banging form. I think they they were they were they were going for the Champions League, weren't they as well? Well, that was that's what I was about to say. They had one eye on that, I think. That's uh, so they, were, they lacked a little intensity. But they had to get the result the results had to go their way in that game for them to qualify. So up until stoppage time, it was potential that they weren't going to get in the top four. Or getting the Champions League without winning the Champions League until Manu, yeah. I think Manu beat Leicester, didn't they? But that was a really good game for me, and probably the Brighton goal, that Watkins goal against Brighton, that was a great singular moment. It was like the the weight lifted in one goal. It was a really good goal. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. in terms of if I'm judging it uh, this season, uh, what Villa Park moments in terms of celebrations around me mm-hmm. and some big hugger, some big huggers, that was the bigger moment. That was yeah. like. That was like we had a circle of about 10 people all linking arms, hugging away. This is a way to gauge gauge limbs in a pandemic is how many people you can hug in a... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, I I did 20 tests after that just to make sure. But uh, for me, yeah, it wasn't a United game, but that's got to be number one, I would say, is the biggest limbs moment. It's a double, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to beat, especially whenever... You'd taken the lead and then the thought that this is going to be taken away from us in typical fashion, and then he skies a penalty. It's That's perfect. And your goalkeeper dances yeah, in front perfect. of the Stratford end. Yeah. <laughs> Shit out. Uh In terms of anticlimax of the year, what, what, what comes to mind when you say anticlimax? Phil Shaw. I think it has to be the way Grealish just fizzled out and he continues to fizzle out. It's just. When, he, when we started last season, how on form he was. He was adding the goals. He was assists. incredible in the first half of that season, wasn't yeah, he? He was. He was proving all the doubters wrong. He was starting to win people around. And then just, I think it was the Brighton game, which just before he got injured, he just got completely marked out of the game. Maybe the West Ham game as well, they doubled up on him. And that's just from that, it was like, he was never really the same again. It was just injury, hype. You know, as, as we've said many times on the show, uh, it's almost like when he wasn't playing, his stock rose uh, because that second half of the season, you thought, well, actually, uh, you'd probably have him in the squad. But to really feature, and I'm talking, you know, if you're looking at it neutrally, not with your Villa hat on, he's, he's got to prove something in, and he's got to come back. You know, I was thinking if he's not back for March, he might struggle to get in that squad. But it, but the hype was around him. It was like suddenly the mainstream media like never said this before when he was playing at the start of the season and playing well. Saying, oh, he's got to start, he's got to start. It's like, well, based on what in the last three months? He hasn't kicked a ball. Yeah. I mean, you just have to, you just have to look at um, his, his stats when he wasn't even playing Jesse Lingard. I know Jesse Lingard's a figure of fun, but what he did for West Ham from Christmas on, yeah. and he didn't even get in the squad. Well, the interesting thing is... Uh, in the game uh, against Manchester City, you know, obviously Pep Guardiola's asked about Grealish, and he's pretty much saying exactly what we said on this podcast. He said he hasn't. You could argue that uh, he hasn't been uh, aggressive enough in like the final third in terms of uh, assists, goal shooting, making that impact. You know that we we always said. So it's all right coming up with all these stats. Oh, most carries, most time fouled, but these are not game winning. They're not, they're not tangible ones. Defining, you know, top, top, top players. You know, you can't argue against Messi as a good player because of the amount of fucking goals he's scored. And did, and did we not see, I think we saw at Villa Park when you look into a, a squad like Manchester City's, um, that they have a, a first team of technically excellent footballers where um, Grealish is a technically excellent footballer, don't get me wrong, but you have to de- demonstrate that consistently and with an intensity and with a ruthlessness uh, to, to be champions and, you know, they aspire to be champions of Europe. Grealish, um, Grealish was an excellent player for Villa. He developed beyond, I think, perhaps even, well, certainly beyond my expectations when, when he first broke through. Um, 
but there were a number of, you know, he wasn't available for long periods and there were games where um, it wasn't Grealish, the, Grealish wasn't the reason that we won those games necessarily. You know, I don't want to make that sound like a bitter thing because he's gone. Uh, when the hype machine got going and the England, uh, the England cap started to come, or especially around the Southgate not picking him thing, I thought, well, I could understand why at the same time. You know. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I I didn't have a problem with Southgate, and I this kind of pile on from Villa fans. I just thought, well, just take your Villa goggles off and just think. And another thing, Pep said he 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 was saying that Grealish doesn't attack, doesn't get in the eighteen yard box as much as he should do, and that's something we always levelled at him. Something that Smith told him to do, and you know he got on the end of a header against Birmingham, but he was quite shy of getting in that eighteen yard box, normally because he was you know getting fouled outside it. But uh, that's something that's always it's been an itch of mine. I can't proclaim him the great you know this great second coming of footballer because there's things that he doesn't do that your Messi's, Ronaldo's, De Bruyne's do, and that's just the basic things of getting in the box and and being that danger man who scores. Grealish, you're not. We're not watching a Villa game again. Don't worry, Grealish is going to pop up and score any minute now. Like you can do with those kind of players. You can almost like rely on them to get you out of jail. And it was interesting to hear Pep say that because that, that was the thing that we resisted jumping on the hype machine 100%. I mean, a joy to watch just from a technical point of view and ghosting around. But in terms of winning games, getting us over the line, he had his moments, of course, but regularly on an almost functional level of doing it it wasn't really there and he needs to be on that level uh, if he's going to be a success at Manchester City and that's the part where we said at the time where you, you strip the sentimentality away from it you strip the local boy local club captain or all that stuff away and in in the same circumstances I think there's a lot of the pain and, and anger and frustration was was wrapped up in that I think if if a you know, yeah. parking that to one side, and a club had come and offered us, uh, approached us for with a hundred million pounds as, as some. I mean, that's that's an exorbitant amount of money for any any footballer. Don't get me wrong, but time will tell whether that's good business for Manchester City. I think, but at, at this point, as we go into twenty twenty two, God, this this clip will probably get get stripped out, and when when he lifts a World Cup or a Champions League, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, at this point. I can I can see the beginnings of a new Aston Villa that isn't necessarily dependent or built around Grealish and that removal of the dependency I think will, should hold us in good stead. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, people are jumping on and giving him stick for you know having injuries and uh, not having wearing, great, wearing know, one slipper, not having the greatest games for Manchester City. But it's like, well, you know, different kind of ball game. But these are the same people who were jumping on him now that were were defending him to the death and uh, trying to get him in the England team despite him not playing for months. It's it's always that fickleness. Uh, there's, there's no real measured heads uh, when kind of judging him. And, you know, when we were just telling it as it is, getting flack for not supporting, you know, one of our own. I mean, one of our own, it's overrated. I mean, I'm more excited that we've got a scouser in charge uh, <laughs> at the club because... Because they get results. Phrases you never thought you'd hear uttered. Yeah, because they get fucking results. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, because you just go back uh, in successful Villa history and Ron Atkinson, born a scouser, wins something. Ron Saunders, scouser, builds a team that wins the league and then ultimately wins the European Cup. And they had about five scousers in that team, didn't they, as well? Five scousers in that team. The guy who supplied the assist, the cross, Stephen scouser. The... <laughs> The guy, the guy who put the ball in the net, Scouser, Peter Webb. The guy who lifted the trophy and captain the team, Dennis Mortimer, Scouser. Kenny Swain, Scouser. That's why I'm a bit bit excited about Stephen Gerrard coming. It's none of this. He's one of our own. That never really gets your trophies uh, at Villa. Scouse power all the way. <laughs> and Manchester United fans will hate what I've just said there. I even hate myself, but uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you've got to go with it. You've got to stick with the facts. Any other anticlimaxes worth a mention? Shakespeare. Craig Shakespeare. Ah, yes, Craig Shakespeare. Oh. Sanson. That promised a lot, didn't it? He's the box-to-box midfielder we've always needed. Oh, dear. He still might be. He, he still could might. be. Don't, don't write him off. You can write off Craig Shakespeare because he's left now. I, I think Sanson's going to have a moment this year that'll be big. 2022 is his year, isn't it? He, yeah. will, he, yeah. will, he will morph yeah. from Mathieu Bursant into <laughs> <laughs> the Champions League player that we know Eric he is. Cantona. <laughs> <laughs> but Craig Shakespeare uh, was given a shitload of credit for Leicester's title uh, 
And to the extent that people were taking it away from uh, Nigel Pearson uh, for building the team, they were saying Shakespeare, you know, built this team. Pearson's a knob, blah, blah, blah. So you're thinking, <laughs> oh, right. When we got, you know, when we got him in at uh, Villiers, that was the first thing I remembered. I thought, okay, let's see if he's the man that uh, builds the blocks. But... Uh, as we said, I don't know what he. I don't know what yeah, he did. Yeah, there was no clearly defined role, and and then you, you, it, you know, we just saw this Greek chorus. We saw indecision from Smith. Too many chefs uh, in the kitchen. Kind of, uh, <laughs> you're not kidding. <laughs> one of them, one of them not doing the cooking. One of them just eating everything. <laughs> it wasn't sports nutrition. He was in charge of, was it? Jesus. But I mean, look look at the the traits of that Leicester team that won the league. Hard to beat, ran more miles than anyone else, and you know, ruthless finishers. You couldn't level that at Villa at all. So this, Shakespeare's this a fraud. Is that what you're saying, Phil? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> right, since you've got things to say, Phil, I think it's time to have the good, bad and the ugly of 2021. It needs a jingle. Right. Have you been naughty or nice? Right, the good, bad, and ugly of 2021. like Morricone, like the... So what's the good? Right, the good was Villa finally positively ending records. The one at Old Trafford, um, they broke the, the transfer record for selling the player. They've started winning games when McGinn scores. They beat Brenton Rodgers at Villa Park. Yeah, like all these. The list goes on. Rafa as so well, moving, Rafa at Villa Park. Yeah. yeah. So moving into 2022, it's time we started setting some records of our own that are hard to beat. Um, but I would also say it was it was good to see Villa being able to identify Jared as a replacement for Smith and then conclude the matter with a minimum of fuss. Despite what some pundits wanted to say, it showed that Villa are in a good place, especially when you look at Newcastle's struggle to appoint a boss, even with all the money in the yeah, world. I'd agree with that. Good points. Good, very good points. Certainly, Phil. behind the scenes, we're we're in a, on a firm footing, aren't we? I mean, if Gerard's a success, and I mean already, even if you just take from what he's done so far, Newcastle fans must be going, oh, for fuck's sake, this Eddie Howe chap. Who? What is he? Last seen as Bournemouth relegation manager. Good news is Newcastle fans won't be allowed opinions soon because that's not banned. That's not permitted in that regime. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so, you know, it was like a dark cloud that Newcastle were just going to swoop up anything uh, that was decent to fill their ranks. But uh, we seem to have uh, got the uh, the run on them there. Right. So what's the bad? <laughs> well, we've, we've, we've touched on it already. It was Smith and Grealish leaving so close together. They, they were like the unique selling point of the club and just gone straight away. Yeah, it was a fairy tale, um, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Grealish and Smith at Villa was something unique. Other teams were jealous of it and the potential for a story that was different in world football was just there. Grealish had the chance to be the next Toddy, like El Capitano, but he finally managed to get the move that he had created for the previous two or three seasons, so he, he got it in the end. In hindsight, after that, it was foolish to think that Smith would have the same aura around the changing room without Grealish, and it only took one bad run for Phil's hierarchy to pull the trigger and get rid of him. Yeah, yeah gunshot, gunshot sound there, don't we? 
Yeah, well, you need the bolt gun from No Country for Old Men. <laughs> <laughs> the cat, the cattle bolt gun. Right, uh, the ugly. Is there a ship? Time to board the ferry. We were, we're getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, you can, I might have said this before. He's going to run now and just let me rant. Um, it's just these metrics. XG, attack and threat, pre-assists, key passes. These metrics are just being shoehorned into football. It's as if people are trying to do everything except watch the match themselves. Yeah. Some fans, I think fans must be training to work in Stockley Park and VAR. It's just the seem to just dislike watching the game. I mean, it's it's no different than sitting in the crowd with a you know a camera a phone out waiting for the penalty to go in. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> touche. <laughs> but for me, football it's it's a beautiful game when you watch it and you feel it. It's not to make up like a binary metric for a game that's all about like mercurial skills of individuals. Well, one of the reasons why uh, these kind of metrics have come into the game increasingly, even though the game is ultimately a more fluid game than say cricket, baseball, NFL, you know, sports that metrics actually are uh, interesting and. and useful is because of social media it's something to tweet it's and people have got notoriety from tweeting inane stats yeah well the most inane thing about it is that it doesn't take the individual player into account at at any stage so if you take it back a bit david beckham having a free kick 30 yards out and anwar al ghazi having a free kick 30 yards out surely they can't be the same xg you got any data to back up your opinion (laughs) 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 all right anyway let's move on to the fourth spot in the top five players of 2021 that aren't jack Grealish. he's now well this is the only player i don't know where it's the only player in the premier league i think that's changed his nationality uh well he's changed his nationality since the last christmas show anyway uh jack Grealish. (laughs) (laughs) very good uh, Mr. Matthew or Matteo or uh, Kashki or Cash. Uh, Matthews. Uh, Mat- Matty Cash, who, uh, for my money, at least his defensive part of the game, has uh, so far this season. Uh, and you know, he had a good, he's, I think he's had a decent 2021 all the way through. Mm. Uh, just when we were seeing signs of him improving going forward, I think we said in the last show, that has kind of regressed a bit. He didn't really come to the party in the, uh, the, fu- uh, the three centre-backs, two wing-backs. He was getting caught too much. You you probably expect him a bit more as a winger in that formation. Let's say more from his attacking part of his game, which we didn't really see. Uh, and, and you thought he was he was built to be a wing-back, really. I think a lot of that, to be honest, I don't square that at him. I think some of that was tactical. Yeah. So I don't necessarily throw it all at him. I think we've seen... He's had a couple of... Certainly in the last couple of weeks, um, he's had a couple of really difficult tasks and he's actually stuck to them really well. You know, he had a... When I was run all over the place by Sterling, but he stuck to the task really well. He did the same against um, Leicester, didn't he? With um, what's his name, Harvey Barnes. He yeah. had a really good game, and I think a lot of teams have traditionally tended to to really go at him. I remember you know, Smith's last game at Southampton; he was just left one on one or with overlaps all game because Bailey just was refusing to get back and help out. So actually, as much as he's had some really difficult, you know, been given the difficult job, he actually sticks to it really well. I think effort, endeavour, yeah. application has been top notch. And I think uh, he's got that bit of aggression, hasn't he? You can tell he's got an aggressive streak. And yeah. I'm really pleased that he got that goal against Everton. It was a great goal as well. And you think that's what you want to see more of him doing. That's his Polish side coming out. Yeah. Dan, a fan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, he's, he's for a player who we signed from Forest, where I think few people could honestly say they'd, they'd watched him that closely. He's uh, he's got some good attributes. He's he's a very modern fullback. I think he needs to polish his uh, crossing and his his end product. There, that I mean, thinking of yeah. recent games, there were a number of times where he was in really good positions. And yeah. you, you've got to, be, you know, again, just deferring to the Man City game. Gerard was going crazy about that. Wasn't well, you he? you work so hard yeah. in some of these games, especially against top teams, to craft opportunities and get that far up the pitch. And if you you know, not every cross is going to come off. But you, you saw when Man City broke on us, the, the guy needed one one invitation to to. Yeah. put the ball in and uh, Bernardo Silva knobbed it in like an absolute pro you know we've got to you look at someone we're very capable um, Cash- that's the difference isn't it you can't yeah. be squandering no, McGinn it's... was guilty at that one stage squandering uh, crosses and passes and you see you still see a lot of that and that kind of nags away because that it is a, there's a big difference between what we could be doing in terms of 
damage to teams uh, rather than squandering these opportunities. Yeah. We saw that, didn't we, when we played West Ham? You know, it was a marginal gains kind of game, but West Ham, when it came down to those key moments, they made the right decision at the key moment and they buried them. They were clinical, and that's why yeah. they're where they are. Yeah. Totally. Right, what was the most costly injury of 2021? Well, there's been a hell of a lot, hasn't there? Jeez, it's not been a year for keeping people fit and healthy between COVID and... <laughs> it was Wesley, wasn't it? Injury. Still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's back from the dead, though, isn't he? <laughs> this was the uh, the main defence to the, uh, the Dean Smith, should we get rid or not, was that mitigating injury circumstances. But as Gerard has uh, just kind of gone on with it, with similar absentees Mm -hmm. main men out I think Barkley his first injury that was kind of a turning point because him and Grealish had started to click well him Grealish and Watkins uh, more specifically and that was looking really good and then when he got injured and we went into that strange December winter period where the Covid kicked in in the Villa camp and we were never the same again no no and and even sort of some of the wide men like Trino Traore Trezeguet's injury who they they gave. I mean, they were obviously inconsistent players, but they also showed through that season some real moments of quality as well and endeavour. And we and we never kind of replaced them. And obviously Grealish, uh, I think that cost us top half finish. I don't know. Yes. I don't know about Europe because when he got injured, we, we were, were already playing badly, weren't we? When he was in the team, yeah. And it, we're in a period where he was being marked out of games and doubled up. And but he was he was becoming a bit predictable. Managers had worked him out in terms of how to stop him. I think Villa, Villa were in general, weren't they? We'd kind of we had our set way of playing. We didn't really want to change the team too much if we didn't have to, and you kind of knew what our plan was going to be. Yeah, so I think in terms of certainly last season, I would probably because I think even with Barkley out, Grealish would would probably uh, get in the top half. I'm I'm not yeah. convinced we'd would have qualified for Europe uh, at 100%. That might have needed Grealish and Barkley to have maintained the form they had at the start because when Barkley came back, he was never the same. Because he was meant to be kind of an insurance policy as well. That if you lost Grealish, he still had a yeah top man like him. And he went missing, didn't he? Certainly this calendar year. His, Barkley, you know, his, time, his time at Villa just disintegrated. Barkley must have had one of the most remarkable in-season, in quite a short period of time, turnarounds of... If you'd have said to me when when he was playing in the fashion he did against Liverpool and that there was a one of the better moments was was a late strike against Leicester and then he gets, a, I think, a foot injury, possibly COVID, we'll never know. And and as uh, as you guys have rightly said, he, he was never, you know, accused of almost being disinterested and there were games where he was a com- beyond a total passenger. But it was such a contrast to what we'd seen. It was like we'd been gifted this, you know, a player who was you know, on the fringes of the England team, you know, it was a full England international. I think it might be as simple as that. This is an opportunity to go to Villa and get back in the England setup. And I think he got to the point where he's thinking, I'm not in the England setup. Uh, you know, once you get to your February's or whatever, you got that first injury, then probably his interest dipped severely just because the, that carrot had gone. I mean, there was also the. I mean, the other the other thing is, and I have to be careful how I uh, how I phrase this is that that as, as interest or fitness or whatever waned. You know, there was that quite strange incident for a, a top pro to be drunk in the Mayfair in London in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, uh, you know, it was towards the end of the season, and you know, it you sounded can... like Chris Budd now. Barkley <laughs> 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 was Barkley just it was like somebody had just stolen his mojo i was wondering was he told sort of quite early on in the season that you're you're not for the england team did southgate certainly just say sorry ross i mean you're not in my plans was it as simple as that and then after that he just lost interest the, it was lost at a point where chelsea's management was changing as well wasn't it and you know was he wanted at chelsea's villa probably had said to him that they weren't going to be exploring anything with him and you're a bit of a no man's land i mean it doesn't allow for conducting yourself that way in public as a yeah but there's a lot to unpack there. But Barkley stands as someone who, at one moment, you're thinking, bloody hell, I can't believe Chelsea have given us this player for the season. Too, hasn't he gone back yet? Such a change in fortunes. Indeed, us. Uh, right, uh, most improved player, 2021. Who needed to improve? It's got to be Nakamba, isn't it? Is that just this season? But I think he he, he started he finished the season really well. Yeah. I remember those last two games, the game at Spurs. I think he was man of the match at White Hart Lane. He got a bizarre assist, didn't he, for that? wacky own goal that they scored was yeah, regular yeah. played really well against Chelsea in the, the following week at Villa Park and then did well once he actually got his place back in the team at the start of this season 
And since since Gerard yeah. arrived, has probably been the standout player. Did we give it to Target last season or last year? Should I say? Certainly for the end of the season, I think. Yeah, I think we gave it last for the season for the whole yeah. season. But he's kind of uh, fell apart a little bit at the start of this season. I mean, but the yeah, first day right. was just a disaster, wasn't it for him? Yeah, he got crucified. But Nakamba definitely uh, from the back end of last season, because he was never really 100% trusted to be a first-teamer. He was brought in as a tactical solution against teams that had possession. He did have a few good games that were standouts. I mean, Newcastle at Villa Park at the start of the year. Leeds yeah, Leeds was excellent, but then, Yeah, but then he followed the Leeds game up with that game away at Sheffield United in the oh, same week. and just that like, game. Was. Yeah, that was, he was the wrong choice for that yeah. game, but... He had it in him, but for some reason he just never got a chance. It's all it's it almost it's as close as that. He never really got a chance. He was brought on 10, 15 minutes to go when it was a tough Because for my money, in terms of that the back three, three centre backs, two wing backs, for my money, I would rather play if you're talking about five players, I would rather play the fixed back four that was obviously uh, knows each other very well and, and was successful. And then Nakamba swarming in front of them. I think that's a more solid and stronger defensive uh, five. than. I like uh, him with a partner. I like him with a ball-playing guy like a Louise next to him. I think they, they, they give you a bit of balance. I think they can grow as a pairing. Or whoever, you know, it might be that Gerard sees somebody else in that role, but two players of, of that ilk. But Nakamba will always be the deeper one, will he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Because I was, as I was uh, about to say, because he's there, he uh, just gives you a lot more freedom to the Villa players that we have on staff that actually their capabilities are better served further forward. Like Louise can add something at the other end of the pitch. You could just have him deep as your main deep man. But I think you're kind of cutting away 20% of what he can actually do across the whole game. So when Nakamba's sitting there and he can, you know, obviously if he partners him, Fair enough. When we're uh, when we haven't got the ball, but when we've got the ball, then you know you saw against City, he was going down the left flank. He, you know he's a talented player, good on the ball, so he can play. Uh, he can pop up anywhere in the midfield, and obviously the license that McGinn gets uh, from Nakamba playing uh, is exactly where you want McGinn. So it, it seems a good fit because it's almost like they didn't play Nakamba because they thought it perhaps limited the team. But actually having him in the team allows other players to uh, be unshackled. It doesn't matter if Nakamba's, hey, if we could play Nakamba, you know, he's not that good going forward, blah, blah, blah. So we're losing something. Doesn't so need it's to irrelevant. Be. It's irrelevant, isn't it? It's- well, he, he balances the team. Balances the team, but also uh, allows players to do what they do best. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like yeah, selfless. That's, that's the word. It's like other players, other players, you have a, a feeling if there's a trick on a, another player, like a not calling him out, but Louise maybe will try and nutmeg or try something silly. You're not going to see Nakamba doing that very often. He's just there to break play up, pass the yeah. ball on, just rinse and repeat. And uh, a notable uh, mention for uh, El Ghazi, El Golzi, and El Sisti. Yeah, he pops up with some big goals, doesn't he? To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Great from the penalty spot, as we've joked on a number of times. He, he, I mean, his uh, his key stats were were up there. I mean, they were better than Grealish's, weren't they? Or at least, uh, yeah, they were, they were very much in, in terms the ballpark. of ballpark like, by yeah, by game as well, by number of appearances. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Because he hardly played any games, but he had these uh, silly stats. Hmm. Dan's favorite player. Uh, the thing that annoys me about Al Ghazi is I think he. He's got, for me, all of the ability and all of the. He's got the physique. He's got the uh, the technique. Um, frighteningly inconsistent. And I think if he if he could overcome that, and maybe it's down to I'm not sure if he's been trusted in the Villa squad. But I, I do I do again would understand why a manager doesn't trust him. And of course, there was the infamous training ground player comment that was out without shadow of a doubt aimed at him. And you can see why the you know he, he comes on and he scores a great penalty, but. Is he always tracking back? Is he is he that link-up player? Is he that selfless player that you just described? Um, I think Gerard has used him well so far just as a sub, and I think that's uh, where he fits in as yeah, the uh, de- depth of the squad increases, at least uh, he's, you know, he, he can still bring him on. He has, he's got a role to play. I would say just a, it was a comment that Phil made regarding Nakamba that he's not, uh, Nakamba not being the most fashionable player doesn't mean that he's not good or effective. And I do think Al Ghazi is good and effective at certain things. And that might be an off the bench type role. You know, it's not unusual. You look at a player like, I don't know, top side like Liverpool, they use Zorigi as a, as exactly that. 
you know, they know his limitations, but actually he's got strengths. And it's whether a player will be satisfied with that. Or in Villa's, uh, I'll use my Christian Perslow, continuous improvement. Uh, you know, is, is Al Ghazi going to be at Villa Park in two or three years? Um, I, I think if better players come along, he, he moves along. I think he tries very hard. I think he's, I think he's inconsistent. He's got some good points, but it's where it ends for me. Yeah. So in terms of uh, twenty, looking ahead, twenty twenty two. Do you think of the current squad? There will be uh, who will be the phoenix from the flames player who's not kind of doing it now. I think uh, last year, I think we uh, mentioned Conor Horahan, but uh, it just seemed that uh, the club wasn't actually convinced that he could uh, have a second stab at it, and he, he was obviously shipped out on loan wherever possible. In terms of this season, I think. I don't know if you think class maybe Trezeguet. Like, Trezeguet? Yeah, I was going to say one of the wide yeah. guys, probably someone like a Trezeguet or maybe a Triore, those guys who've got it in them to have big moments. Keenan Davis? Or Sanson? <laughs> maybe Sanson. Oh, that's a good chance. Yeah. I think we'd yeah. like it to be Sanson. Mm. Everyone can see there's probably a player there, but we're yet to see. Yeah. Yet to see him get I the think, yeah, games that's, to show that's it. My, that's my Phoenix from the Flames mm. player for t- 2022. I'm going Morgan Sanson. Okay. Pile on, Ag- pile agreed. on. Agreed. Yeah, I'll go with that. Right then, gentlemen, uh, and everybody who's listening to the show, I think we will draw the line here as a part one, and we will adjourn for uh, part two of the show, where we will uh, find out who is number three, number two, and number one player of the year for 2021. We'll also uh, discuss our highlights and lowlights of the year. We've got a little table here of the uh, the annual Premier League table for the year, calendar year as well. So we'll find out where we were in that, as well as honouring the Media Muppet of the Year. Plus we have a little special award uh, as well. And uh, five reasons to be cheerful going into 2022. And we've also got a bit of Christmas time penned by very famous Irish writer, Phil Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Nightmare Before Christmas or is it Night Before Christmas? Towards the night. Towards the Villa Night Before Christmas or Towards the Villa Nightmare Before Christmas? It's the voice actor I'd worry about. Oh, yes, we've got a very talented voice talent uh, straight in from... uh... (laughs) Shadobble. Pelsall. I was going to say Bollywood, Nollywood, Hollywood. uh... Bollywood. (laughs) English theatre stage. Uh, where, where, where did we get him from? Chernobyl. <laughs> anyway, Rada. join us for part two. We like to split this uh, show up into two. Just it's double, double the pleasure over this Christmas uh, holiday. Anyway, hope you're having uh, a good build up to Christmas and enjoying Christmas. Uh, if you're listening uh, while uh, you're opening presents, etc., which you should be, you shouldn't be watching BBC or ITV on Disney Plus or whatever. You should be listening to this show, right? Until part two, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> Bells fell for fuck's sake. Oh, these are good. Well, they're good. <laughs> are they copyrighted? Yeah. Quite possibly. <laughs> are they copyright? Of course they fucking are. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.